Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support CanadaLand. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a CanadaLand supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty. And a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Nora Loretto, author of the book Spin Doctors, half of the podcast Sandy and Nora Talk Politics. Hello. Hi. Today on the show, Nora, it's not the Emergency Measures Act. It's the Emergency Measures Act. Everybody calm down. <laughs> also, <laughs> the dark money pouring into Canada from foreign funders trying to overthrow our democracy. Plus, you know... Tens of thousands of Canadian grandmas and such, but, you know, never mind them. Nora, welcome back to Shortcuts, where we talk shit about the news. Can't wait. Today's show is brought to you by Matthew Lafferty, Ronald Greening, Riley Haas, Michael Miner, Sam Bennett, Kayla Sagan, Nicole Nozick, and Nadia. Hi, my name is Nadia, and I'm an avid hiker who lives in Toronto. I have been listening to Canada Land for a few years, and I find that it gives me a lot of diverse information that I wouldn't be able to find in other media outlets. It brings the story to me, and then I have the power to go out and do my own research and find out more about all these issues that happen throughout this great land. The federal government invoked a security measure that goes beyond anything seen in this country, 
in the last 50 years. A big question now, will today's move solve this crisis or make it worse? We'll always defend the rights of Canadians to peaceful assembly and to freedom of expression. But these blockades are illegal. And if you're still participating, the time to go home is now. This is a much, much more careful, more measured, more constrained piece of legislation than the War Measures Act. So uh, the good news is this is not the War Measures Act. This is not your, your grandma's War Measures Act. So, Nora, as you heard, good news. This is a, a kinder, gentler Emergency Measures mm. Act. Nothing to see here. Yeah, that makes me feel great. I mean, that's wonderful when the federal government thinks that to reward inaction from a local police force and a local city administration, that they just need to uh, lay down the heaviest piece of legislation that they've been talking for the last two years as if it's the nuclear option and it's impossible to implement. And so... I mean, I feel great. We have an entire media establishment in English Canada, I should say, because, of course, the message in French Canada is quite different. Um, but we have an entire media establishment telling us to relax, that this is just to clamp down, crack down on the foreign funded terrorists in this country. Well, there has been some media skepticism and pushback, uh, but I think that you're right. that There's been broadly not just an acceptance that, that this is necessary, but I feel like we've seen media actually carrying forth Justin Trudeau's talking points that we're not actually curtailing civil liberties. I think you can agree with what Trudeau is doing or you can oppose it, but you have to be dealing with the same basket of facts, okay? It does not surprise me that Trudeau is lying as politicians do in a very direct newspeak way, like say the opposite of what it is. So how do you introduce a curtailment of civil liberties? We're not suspending fundamental rights or overriding the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. <laughs> right, that, <laughs> right, but I don't know why journalists have to carry that forth. So I just want to get this like straight. Trudeau says... The measures brought in today are geographically specific and targeted only to where they are needed. Marika Walsh of the Globe and Mail actually fact-checked that. There's no such thing as yeah. this is the Emergency Measures Act, but just for Ottawa. It's total bullshit. This applies to the entire nation. In fact, it is specifically and exclusively for national emergencies. Nora, you said that the government's been talking about it as if it's the nuclear option. This isn't like the nuclear option. This is literally the nuclear option. It, mm -hmm. is, is, it explicitly exists for things like nuclear war or nuclear reactor meltdowns or nuclear spillage into the waterways. Now, you can invoke the Emergency Measures Act for public order disturbances that threaten the security of Canada. I think it's a stretch to consider what's happening now to be a national emergency when we're talking about the protests in Ottawa that this is targeted at. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of people going to bat for this government, journalists going to bat for Trudeau, when he says this is not curtailing our civil liberties. It explicitly curtails our civil liberties. Yeah, and I got some heat for having said the same thing in an article as well. And I guess at some level, it's not too surprising that journalists are confused because civil liberties are curtailed all the time. Like, 
any time a protest is declared illegal, our civil liberties are curtailed. And that happens at the whim of the intervening police force. Like police can declare a protest illegal whenever they want to declare it illegal. And they can claim that they're doing it because there's some sort of risk from the crowd or that they have some sort of intelligence that they're acting on. But it doesn't really matter because from the perspective of someone who's in the middle of a crowd in a protest, the second that police declare it to be illegal. And in Quebec, the way that that sounds is they literally broadcast it from speakers on top of a police car. That means that all of a sudden your rights to be in that space vanish. And so this is normal, right? Like (laughs) I have been at many protests that have been declared illegal for whatever reason. And then all of a sudden my presence in that protest becomes more dangerous because like police have greater powers to detain and arrest. And then my only recourse in those situations are maybe going through a long drawn out legal process to fight for the rights that I apparently or, you know, should have access to or whatever. And oftentimes if the protest is illegal, then no, there's been like limits put on those rights. And I probably won't be able to access my rights to free assembly and to gathering. This is something that happens that's normal, right? That happens under normal circumstances in Canadian law. And I'm sure many listeners have have seen the video that has been taken at Wet'suwet'en of morning raids by RCMP and, and seeing guns put in people's faces and demanding that they leave camp. Again, operating under the normal procedures of the law. And so when that is normal and has been aided to become normal by by major flashpoints like the G20 in Toronto, like the Quebec student strikes where more than 3,000 people were arrested and, and most were arbitrarily arrested or detained. That's got a normalizing impact. And so the journalists that are writing today are not writing with this in their mind that Pierre Trudeau removed civil liberties and arrested fewer than 500 people without due process and just tried to crush this terrorist organization in Quebec. And I'm I'm using air quotes uh, for everybody that cannot see me. They're actually operating under this logic that these kinds of attacks on civil liberties are totally normal. And so how dare any of us say that the, the Emergency Act is an attack on civil liberties? It's very fucking backwards and just shows the level of like political literacy and historical literacy that is unfortunately like absent from a lot of journalists covering this right now. The Emergency Measures Act in this application is going to be used as follows. They're going to use it to stop people from assembling if they have reason to believe it's not going to be peaceful. So we're into some minority report future crimes division. We think that you're going to break the law. So we're going to preemptively stop you from doing that and remove one of your essential civil liberties. Anyone under 18 isn't allowed there. And anyone who's like bringing people under 18, that's not going to be allowed either. So, you know, minors can usually protest as well. Teenagers can protest as well. That's gone. They're going to freeze the bank accounts of individuals. And they are going to revoke the business insurance of truckers who rely on that. So, like, you know, you don't have any money anymore that you can access. And your ability to earn a living maybe is permanently gone. I am not saying that they shouldn't be doing those things. Maybe they should, maybe they shouldn't. But let's not kid ourselves that those are not massive curtailments of people's civil liberties. And the Canadian Civil Liberties Association agrees with me on that. This is what they tweeted. The federal government has not met the threshold necessary to invoke the Emergencies Act. This law creates a high and clear standard for good reason. The act allows government to bypass ordinary democratic processes. This standard has not been met. Nora, there's nothing more drastic the government can do. This is like the break glass in case of emergency. This is the Emergency Measures Act. The last time the government did anything like this, as you invoked, was Pierre Trudeau. And we learn about that decades later in history class. 
And when the New York Times dared to report the simple fact that this is a curtailment of our civil liberties, they were absolutely piled on by hundreds of people, including a lot of journalists. No, fact check, fact check. The New York Times was shut. That was accurate. And the New York Times buckled under that pressure and issued a correction. On a pure level of reason, I'm just trying to figure out, like, what is this argument that this is not curtailing our civil liberties? Like, that's sort of what it's there for. It's an all or nothing understanding of civil liberties as being they're either suspended or they're not, rather than looking at this as being on a gradient, which is what it is, right? Like, do I personally have much risk that I personally will be arrested under this law as someone who has nothing to do with these convoys? Probably not. And so, no, the Emergencies Act does not suspend all civil liberties in Canada. But I personally never wrote that, and people still claim that's what I was saying. I didn't see the original tweet from the New York Times, but I suspect they didn't also say suspends all civil liberties. And instead, it's being spun as this, how dare anybody question this very reasonable and obvious next step that the federal government has taken to deal with this problem. And so, you know, let's back up in looking at this, the national threat. Like mm-hmm. there, there is a national threat, right? Rising fascism in the far right poses a national threat. That is correct. That is not the threat that they're actually trying to target right now. Because when this whole issue started, there were several locations where there were occupations. There were two border crossings that were blocked. And officials and corporations sought out things like injunctions to try and clear the blockade at the Ambassador Bridge in Windsor, which was not even necessary because the police had the power to clear the blockade at Windsor. They could have done it at any time. Instead, protesters were able to bring in bouncy castles and have like barbecues and whatever and blocked all traffic on that bridge for six days. And so by the time the Emergency Act is invoked, oh, that's already finished. That's been cleared. Oh, and And also the day that they're talking about invoking it, the Coots border crossing in Alberta also cleared with a teary eyed hugging goodbye between the police and the protesters. And so we are literally dealing with a single city in Canada. A national emergency has been declared to deal with a couple of streets in Ottawa. And I think that. You know, partly it's because Ottawa plays such a a massive role in terms of like shaping national media coverage, because every media outlet in this country that has national reporters covering national news, they live in Ottawa. And so they are personally affected by what's going on. That's, I think, playing a role in how this is being written about. And the second thing is, of course, that everybody who lives in Ottawa is absolutely at their wits end and wants this to go away and understands that their city and their police force have both completely failed. And then rather than saying, well, you know, why can't the mayor of of Ottawa, Jim Watson, just ask for help from the federal government. Why does it require an emergencies act? Which is not a question I'm seeing enough people ask. It's just this natural, oh, what else do you expect them to do? What else do you expect them to do? It would have made a lot more sense when those borders were still plugged up. We now know there were people with guns there. But what we're actually talking about right now are a series of municipal bylaws that are being broken. Mm -hmm. Parking bylaws, uh, noise and nuisance bylaws are being broken. And so we are going nuclear and you got to ask why. I think the obvious is that Justin Trudeau has been under tremendous pressure for his inaction, for the embarrassment that this poses. In a democratic society, far right or far left or extreme center or whatever, have the right to take over public space. Like that, this is, I think, a principle that hasn't really been had out well enough. Um, Because as a left-wing person, like if someone occupied the Ambassador Bridge to demand justice for murdered and missing Indigenous women, 
I have no problem supporting that 100%. And then we talk about what is that, how do you then mitigate the the the, the impacts of, of like the lack of trade or whatever because the border is being shut down. That would be a different conversation. And we're just not really there because the dominant conversation has been always force versus not force. And then does force amp up how violent or dangerous they are or not? And that doesn't get us anywhere. Like all that does is help the liberals. Justin Trudeau benefits tremendously from this convoy, right? We've already seen that it's it's taken down the, the conservative leader. And I think that the longer it goes on, the more he is able to be in opposition to this far right movement. And he can take that to the bank in an era where more and more people are going, wait a minute, actually, you completely mismanaged the pandemic at the federal level. I will hand it to like, at least your Andrew Coin types are consistent, okay? Unless you go and fill out a form and get a permit and make very little noise and don't disturb anyone, essentially have a useless protest that doesn't matter. Unless your protest doesn't, the only kind of protest that's legitimate to a lot of Canadian voices are ones that are, you know, totally limp and useless. That's an okay protest. That's an okay exertion of your rights. But like you say, there's never been a protest that people don't say all of the same shit. Oh, they desecrated a statue. Oh, it's foreign funded. Oh, they made too much noise. I didn't feel safe at that BLM protest. I am not drawing an equivalence between the virtues of BLM versus this protest. I am comparing the reactions. And I know those reactions are going to be tenfold on protests like BLM. And that's going to be based on the status quo that everybody is just salivating to return to right now. Yeah. And, and it's it's a moment where people really need to pause and think very, very hard about the repercussions of supporting the police, of, of supporting those cracking down, cracking head uh, reactions from the state against protest. And, you know, while you were talking, I was thinking about the G20 again. I always go back to the G20. And actually, earlier you said, you know, but the G20, like that policing was outside of what should be expected or what should be allowed, right? But, like, it, it wasn't. I mean, there was no <laughs> no charges were dropped because of the violation of human rights. Charges were dropped because there was no charges. Like, they're just so flimsy. And people still went to jail, right? Several people went to jail for almost two years for trumped-up conspiracy charges. So, like, when I think of the G20, I think of a massive training exercise, because that's what it looked like. It looked like a massive training exercise where the police were trying new techniques of crowd control, techniques of kettling, techniques of standing aside and rushing a crowd and grabbing one person and pulling them behind the line and then closing the line in on them. We watched them do that for four hours while they cleared Queens Park. Uh, we were massively outnumbered by the police, and it was very shocking to witness, very, very shocking. And And I was just like, in my mind, and I was way back from the police. I mean, I didn't get closer than maybe 40 feet to them because I'd already been been beaten by police that day. And I remember just nonstop thinking like, this is going to come back. We're going to see these tactics again. This is all practice. And that is how we need to see this as well. It's practice. They are practicing to see what they can get away with and what Canadians will support on principles of like orderly, good conduct, this kind of thing, outside of the questions of the far right and rising fascism within Canada. And if we fail to understand it in those terms, then yes, exactly. We will find ourselves in a situation very, very soon where the maximum force of the state will be leveled on protesters. So the most important question outside of the Emergencies Act and clamping down on the protest in this way is how do we fight fascism in Canada? And it is absolutely clear that we will never fight fascism through a law that suspends civil liberties and that tries to crush they're organizing in this way. Because if we do learn anything from the War Measures Act, trying to crush radical organizing in Quebec, 
all that forced activists to do, other than give them a very deep-seated, even stronger hatred of the Canadian state, was it got them to be more sophisticated. And actually, organizing then went mainstream and very, very powerful because the spirit of 1970, you know, morphed into something more mainstream, which eventually became the Parti Québécois and then, you know, Movement for Sovereignty in the way that we understand it today. Or maybe not today, but the way that we understood it maybe two decades ago. And so... Like, how do we fight fascism in this country? You fight fascism by giving people what they need, by, like, improving democracy and democratic structures and giving people access to decisions and better media, more democratic media, better funded media, more opinions within media. You know, and you look at the ways that social solidarity is under attack through social programs and then in this pandemic through not giving people what they need and not giving people money and food to isolate and all this kind of thing. That's the only way we're going to fight fascism. And anybody that says, but we need to get these people out of Ottawa now at all costs is completely missing the point. Okay, two things. First of all, the cops seized shit tons of ammo and machine guns. You got to be able to say good job sometime. They did their job. They knew where it was. They got it before anything happened. They deserve a fucking medal. I want to know how it happened. If you can't accept that and they, they just did nothing, then then you're just sort of locked in a default of police never, ever, 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 ever do anything good. And I think that that was probably something good that they did. So I, I don't mind that certain conservatives who hate every protest hate this protest. But it is gross to see people who have been wildly supportive of other causes just begging for an extreme, a maximalist government approach to this. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars And I I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool, doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. 
Nora, as we speak, there are thousands of listeners who just need things to be duly noted for them. They're, they're, they're dying for it. What do you got? Yes. I would say the biggest news that came out this week, other than the Emergencies Act, which even though I disagree with it, it is obviously very big news, is the rediscovery or the confirmation, I guess, of 54 graves at the former residential school at Kisikus First Nation uh, in Saskatchewan. Um, it has been news that has completely fallen off the radar and it's unacceptable that it's fallen off the radar. It is far more important to Canada, to the Canadian state, to our relations in this country than anything that the that the convoy is kind of digging up right now. And and it just it's like a combination of enraging and heartbreaking to see just how little attention that this information that this news is getting. 54 graves of children again at another residential school is, is is heartbreaking and enraging. And I hope that people listening will take some time today to figure out how they can do something to make sure people are aware of this news, but also to take action because it does take, it, it will take action for justice to ever be served. Thank you for bringing that back to everyone's mind. Um, it should not be forgotten and we're going to keep up with our coverage. So duly noted. I want to duly note, like, what, is like the best day in this job. The best day uh, as a journalist is like when your tip turns into fucking evidence and like you're actually there looking at the receipts. It's so fun when you get to the part (laughs) of the process where you're like, damn, here it is. I'm looking at the document and what you got to do is you call the person who is exposed by this evidence and you ask for comment. And it's fun because, you know, like, you know, what are they going to do? Like, you know, are they going to deny it or they, what, what can they do? Like, you're like, I got this document. I have it. What do you have to say about it? Mm. They might just hang up on you. They might not return your call. They might threaten to sue you for libel. They might spin a counter narrative. But this is a new one. What happened to Jimmy Thompson, the managing editor of Capital Daily, an Indian news org out in Victoria, uh, the response he got from the RCMP was something I hadn't heard before when you get to the stage of the game. He got his hands on a document that uh, speaks to policing strategy in Ferry Creek. And he calls up the Mounties to say, what do you got to say about this? I know I know what you, what you all were talking about internally. And their response was, you got no business having that. That's not yours. And we want it back. And we're, ta- we're, we're, we're taking to court for that. <laughs> oh. Wow. wow. I hadn't heard that before. It's an egregious response. One thing I want to duly note about it is that it's like maybe working or potentially working. A lot of people have said to, to Jimmy, well, just publish your story. Anyhow, you've got the smoking gun. And there's some pretty serious legal consequences for him if he does so, which I find unacceptable that that's the decision he's being put to. So uh, I wanted to point that out. And if you want to read more about that, Jimmy Thompson tweeted about that on Valentine's Day. It's so amazing how in a discussion that we're having about civil liberties, like how that kind of attack on the press is not at the front of people's minds who are downplaying the nuclear attack on civil liberties. Like this stuff's all connected. And if this happens as normal as part of normal uh, operations go, then we better be very, very, very skeptical of the use of the Emergencies Act. So thank you. uh, Duly noted. Nora, let's back up in time before the Emergency Measures Act. (laughs) Okay. 
<laughs> to that nostalgic time when we heard whispers and and speculation about dark money, foreign funding, infiltrating Canada. Most of us here being nice law-abiding people, but it's these foreigners who are pumping these tiny little fringe movements with foreign funded money and, and creating this fake impression that there is a populist movement in Canada. I was hearing about foreign funding from a lot of places. I don't want to single out Sandy Garasino, who I argued with uh, about this. Uh, there are lots of people saying that. But Sandy kind of went further than many. And she, she said that this was a U.S. op mm. and that this protest was faked is how she promoted a story where she went into the funding back when this was a funding campaign just on GoFundMe. Now, there was lots of reason to believe that there was American funding in this. But uh, what we heard was a growing narrative that that funding meant that this was not a grassroots Canadian protest. And that's what a lot of speculation and even some people reached those conclusions before we actually knew one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Now we have data because of a leak. We have receipts. We have evidence. After the GoFundMe was frozen, they started a give, send, go on this Christian crowdfunding site. But that site is famously shitty and insecure and it was hacked and the hackers leaked an entire spreadsheet, which has since been verified by a bunch of news organizations as accurate. And it includes the names of over 90,000 donors, along with the comments they left, how much they gave, their postal codes, email addresses, so you can go and confirm if this is true or not. It is true. This happened. And you know where they live. And through this hack, we know that... Most of the money came from Canadians and it came in small donations. So we are talking about from this crowdfunding campaign alone, we don't know the first one, but this one alone, 36,000 Canadians opened their wallets to fund this protest. Okay. Before we even get to opinion, I think how many Canadians support this has been a pretty big question for any journalist. You would hope. And now we know it's at least this many. I mean, it's obviously more than that, but we have proof that it's 36,000 plus. How did the media convey the news to Canadians that, yes, Virginia, there is a Canadian grassroots movement in support of the truckers? Let's start with the Toronto Star. Who's funding the Freedom Convoy? And then you get six paragraphs about the American funders. Six paragraphs before there's a mention that most of the money comes from Canadians. Uh, National Observer, was funding for Canada's vaccine protests linked to Putin's plans for Ukraine? That came out after the leak. Foreign money funding extremism in Canada, says Hacker, uh, reported The Guardian. CTV, convoy fundraising leak shows substantial U.S. donations, 75000 from Canadian donor, singular. And on the New York Times, like flagship, like The Daily, which is like a massive audience, Catherine Porter went on to the Daily and what was the angle of the Daily's coverage? An American-style protest in Canada. Nora, what do you make of this reluctance, almost like a refusal to accept that this thing has widespread Canadian support? It's very typical and it's boring the fucking hell out of me. I like... I can't believe we're still in this mindset after what 
seven years where far-right violence has killed more than 20 Canadians, where it is undeniable that Canada not only has very active far-right organizations in in its territory, but is probably a net exporter of white supremacy, like extreme white supremacy. We send some of the biggest personalities out to the world who are far-right talking heads. We are a node, specifically Quebec is a node between Europe and North America and the United States and North America, partly or maybe mostly because of the multilingual reality of Quebec, especially a city like Montreal. Canada punches above its weight when it comes to the global far right. And I hate, I hate how much, maybe this is a trope, but it's liberal journalists, liberal media, like have to downplay just how culpable we are. And it's also very funny in a pathetic way that it would even be surprising that money comes into Canada as we accept money for everything. Our entire economic base is driven by exploiting natural resources where we sell that to the world. Like we don't talk about the tar sands as being like foreign bought oil, right? Because it's the exports. We don't talk about our meat and our our beef industry is foreign purchased beef from Canada. No, we're proud of that because that's like the only way that we've run our entire economy. So why when it comes to the far right, it's like, oh, um, did you know that there's foreign people involved in Canada's far right? It's like there's foreign people involved with fucking every aspect of Canada. That is how we've set our entire country up. Look, I think it is absolutely worth journalistic inquiry that, you know, There's always some foreign money into our protests. We send foreign money to other protests. There's a lot more foreign money this time. Sure. That is totally worth investigation. And and there are people who are digging into, like, the organizing networks that spread this. But this idea that it's, like, this conspiracy of foreign actors, like, no. I'm not saying that it's not a thing, but to obscure the fact— that this is our own thing. And like, I'm pulling my hair out as you are, because what have we been doing all these years, but documenting that, yes, there is an extreme right in Canada and we make our own here. We punch above our weight. Proud boys come from Gavin McInnes. There's dozens of these characters. We've got mosques shoot. Like it's all, we can't blame this on Americans. And it's frustrating when you're getting this from like, listen to this. I got a fact checker, fact checker here. Here's Daniel Dale, CNN's fact checker, formerly the Toronto star tweeting, about some polls. He says, here are some tidbits from four February polls of Canadian adults. Anyone portraying these protests as a popular uprising, as various Fox shows have, is not being honest. And he links to some polling. 33% of Canadians support the truckers. Holy shit. I I had no idea that 33% of Canadians support the truckers. That's That's like fucking... That's a fucking lot. (laughs) And that doesn't meet his standard for a popular uprising. I'm going to go further with this. Like the episode of The Daily, and that's the one that reached the most ears, of Catherine Porter. She went into like a lot of this I know comes from editors who are like, let's let's here's our angle. This is an American style protest. But then she delivers that angle. And what she says is there was some unexpected stuff that seemed unusual or at least un-Canadian to me. Because people were yelling out, freedom, freedom. As a call and response, a way of people greeting one another. They would walk up and down the streets shouting, freedom, and responding Hmm. to one another, freedom. And that's un-Canadian. 
to use the word freedom. And, you know, freedom is, I think, really stitched into the American DNA, but it's not necessarily something you hear in Canada the same way. Clearly. And because the way she puts it is they kept telling Trudeau where he can go. What she means is they said, fuck Trudeau. And that's un-Canadian. You know, Sandy said the same thing. That's that's an American term, this word freedom. It's in our fucking national anthem twice. (laughs) Uh, Really? You're going to try to convince me that it's un-Canadian to talk about freedom? Plus this idea that it is un-Canadian to tell Trudeau to fuck off. And that's incompatible with like a free democracy. Like, Like, have you met participatory democracy. Telling your leaders to fuck off is an, like, like that's a basic civil liberty to me. And furthermore, like, you know, Catherine Porter, she goes into how she went there to the protests. And of course, she saw the signs of like, you know, hang Trudeau for treason. And that's very un-Canadian. I think those signs are stupid. But burning your leaders in effigy is kind of a time-honored trait of protests for a long time. No, but what stuck out to me about Porter's reporting is she says that she went out into Ottawa and saw these signs about hanging Trudeau or trying him for treason, and she'd never seen them before. Further evidence that this is an American-style protest, a Trumpian-style protest. She's never seen this before. I mean, Tony Clement was burned in effigy at U of T when he was a shitty student activist, right? Like, the- <laughs> But Trudeau, the, the, that fucking thing of let's hang Trudeau, that goes back to, has she not covered the last election? (laughs) That was at every single anti-vax march. That was even before the pandemic. Uh, The United We Roll people were like, she covers Canadian news for the New York Times. Yeah, This is like a fantasy. Like this is, oh, we don't have this kind of stuff here. What have you guys done to us, Americans? Mm -hmm. Yeah. During our trucker convoy, I was in the lobby of a hotel in downtown Quebec City. And I was with a friend who's from Alabama who lives here. And uh, <laughs> there was uh, a bunch of uh, anti-mask protesters or trucker convoys protesters in the lobby of the hotel. And they had a big American flag. And my friend went up to them and she said, uh, oh, it's so nice. You're honoring my people. What, what's up with that? Right. Like kind of joking around. And and these are these are Quebecers like hardcore. They don't speak any English. <laughs> like They're definitely not American. And it's such a shame that we can't actually have um, an analysis about what is the spirit or the rhetorical use of the American flag in these protests. Because I think that's very interesting, especially from the Quebec perspective, where there's a lot of American flags here and how that dovetails with histories of sovereignty and Quebec nationalism and the relationship between Quebecers and the United States. I'm not seeing any journalists do that kind of journalism, like at fucking all. And it instead, it just insulates like mainstream media from having really difficult conversations about how deeply seated racism in this is, is in this country. And it's like I already duly noted 54 graves of children of indigenous children found again. Right. Like racism is at the core of Canada and it's at the core of all settler colonial states. And so obviously Canada, and United States have a lot in common on that front. And you're you're going to see a lot of things that are common to both settler colonial states. And of course, the United States is hegemonic. Its hegemony has like completely assumed any kind of semblance of Canadian culture, right? These are really important and interesting discussions. And when someone's like, oh, it's all foreign funded, it just shuts the door entirely from a a deep conversation that can explore what is Canadian identity right now? What are the kinds of rhetorical tools that we're using in our movements, whether from the left or from the right? And, and and what is it saying about this moment? And how do we get out of this moment? But no one's interested in any kind of deep conversations right now. It's just much easier to say, 
oh, uh, Russia, this is Russia's fault. And obviously that plays a really important role because it's either China or it's Russia and Canada right now because of the folks wanting to go to war for some fucking reason. I'll tell you something else, Nora, while we're talking about crowdfunding, okay? Who else crowdfunds? Who else crowdfunds for political content? Who else has foreign funding? Who else has foreign funding for messages about politics that might be deemed dangerous? I, I fucking do that. <laughs> I, 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 I rely on Patreon. There are Americans who support this show. There's Canadians who go through an American foreign fu- – oh, it's foreign funding because it goes through – like. And now the government, this is how it works, by the way. It's not that the federal government could say freeze that account. The banks have no liability. They can freeze an account and face no legal repercussions. So that might be the government saying, you know what, this account, they just said something that supports the protesters. So freeze it. That could be the cops saying freeze this account, this crowdfunding uh, platform. Or it could be the banks. They can make that decision for themselves. So now you've got like the banks making editorial decisions like, If you Google, like, Canada, crowdfunding, controversy, convoy, uh, that's like the CCC. You're going to end up with Canada land. It looks very suspicious. (laughs) And you've got got no legal liability. Do I sound paranoid here? Maybe I do. Maybe I sound a little paranoid. I would be a little bit less worried if everybody else was a little bit more worried. Yeah, this is a huge issue. And crowdfunding, like, I've been very, very critical of crowdfunding as it takes, like, the place of the social security net, right? People crowdfunding for medical issues and and crowdfunding to pay for funerals and all these kinds of things. And then you can start to see, like, inequality within society. Who gets more money uh, based on what kind of story they have? And, you know, obviously my name's a bit associated with that already. But... This is the big danger of what is happening right now is the many, many, many organizations are going to get caught up with this. If there's any organizations that are organizing around anything, like let's say, you know, questioning the, I don't know, legitimacy of Canada, right? Something that I personally think is a completely fair thing to question and something that someone might say, Nora, you're being seditious by questioning and organizing against the existence of Canada, right? That places me into a pretty fucked up role, (laughs) a pretty difficult role if I was going to be relying on these platforms. And so, yeah, on that side, people should be very, very alarmed and also needing to be looking for different ways to actually raise money because these these sites can be closed overnight, as we've witnessed. But, you know, I, th- I want to go back to the list itself because I actually like think that this is the most important thing that average people could be doing. Go through those lists and see who you're related to and see who's in your neighborhood and see who you can actually have conversations with and say, oh, like, you know, I don't know how far down the rabbit hole you are, but maybe you can be saved or maybe we just need to isolate your impact impact, your very dangerous impact uh, in the world in certain ways. Um, but doing this on a, on a personal basis, I think, is really important because, you know, like I'm only at B on the list. I found a cousin of mine who I'm not at all surprised to see there. And it helps remind me of my personal connections to this movement, right? And it, it, it fully drops the us versus them kind of perspective. And instead, I'm like, oh, I actually know why this cousin of mine would be fully taken by this protest. That is an excellent, excellent point. The idea that like there's just no room to have these conversations. We've squared off and it's done and they are the enemy and and like post their fucking address online and try to get them fired. That's the path. This is your fucking neighbor. This is your relative. This is your fellow citizen. We're not there yet. No. That shortcuts. <laughs> Nora, thank you for joining me. Thank you. 
We are on Twitter at CanadaLand. I can be emailed, jesse at CanadaLand.com, and I read everything that you send. Nora, where can people find you? Oh, I'm going to be hiding under coats, I think, until spring, because I'm fucking tired of all this. A wise strategy. Our website is CanadaLand.com. There's a new episode of Wag the Doug for your listening pleasure. This episode is produced by Tiffany Lamb with additional production by Tristan Capicione. Our managing editor is Kieran Oudshorn. Theme music is by so-called Syndication by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at CFUV.ca. If you like what we do, does anyone still like what we do? Do you want to support what we do? I think that there's value in it. Help us make it. Go to CanadaLand.com slash join or hit the link in the show notes. Uh, We do this because people support it. Do it while you still can. (laughs) 